Welcome back to another episode of Mind Matters, the podcast where we break down complex scientific topics and make them accessible to everyone. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today we're diving into an illuminating paper titled Grounding Neuroscience and Behavioral Changes Using Artificial Neural Networks by Grace W. Lindsay from New York University. We'll guide you through the core ideas presented in the paper and do our best to explain everything in a way that's easy to understand regardless of your background. The paper's main thrust is about linking what we observe in the brain, the neural activity, to what actually happens as a result, that is, behavior. Right, Jen. But what's interesting is that Grace Lindsay is suggesting we focus more on behavior as the core subject of neuroscience, rather than just the neural mechanisms or cognitive capacities. Neural mechanisms might sound a bit technical, but think of them like gears in a machine that work together to create an outcome. Cognitive capacities are more like the functions a machine can perform, such as being able to remember things or pay attention. Instead of looking at those gears or functions separately, Lindsay proposes that we should look at when and how behavior changes. That's the output of our neural machine. And that's where artificial neural networks, or ANN for short, come in. These are computer models designed to process information in a way that's inspired by our brains. The beauty of ANNs is that we can manipulate them, test hypotheses about brain function, and learn from them, all without the ethical and practical constraints of working on real brains. Absolutely. Lindsay discusses how these models have been trained to perform tasks that animals, including humans, are tested on, and they've shown capabilities akin to the processing in biological brains. And because we can see everything that goes on inside an ANN and change any part of it, we can really get into the nitty-gritty of what causes a behavior to occur after a change in neural activity. It's all about finding out what neural changes can replicate changes in behavior that we see experimentally. Basically, if we see something happen in the real world, can we make our models do the same, and how? She also talks about the field of interpretability in artificial intelligence. Interpretability is another way of saying, can we understand how the AI makes decisions? Exactly, Tom. By using methods from this field, researchers can pinpoint which neural features in these artificial networks drive performance and behaviors. Now, let's get a bit more tangible with some examples Lindsay discusses. She describes studies where ANN models replicate learning processes, like in sensory motor tasks. That's where you have to both feel and move. In one study, ANNs were trained on an object manipulation task, and some key insights were found, like the importance of sparse neural codes and policy neurons, which are basically neurons that help make decisions. These insights were then verified in actual mice, which is kind of amazing. It's like having a hypothesis confirmed in the real world after testing it in the virtual world. And these ANN studies keep going beyond that. They explore how certain neural changes are involved with attention, memory, learning, even changes involved in aging or disease. All of this is done with an eye on how we can apply this knowledge to understand what goes on in our brains. Even if ANNs and biological neural networks aren't exactly the same, they can share valuable insights. It's a tremendously exciting area of study, folks. But remember, dendrites and axons aren't replaced by silicon and code quite yet. Right, we still very much need to study actual brains to confirm the roles of these mechanisms. 
So, Tom, before we conclude today's episode, what would you say is the big takeaway from this paper? The big takeaway is that by using artificial neural networks, scientists can create models to test theories about how changes in the brain can lead to changes in behavior. They're an incredibly powerful tool for neuroscience research. That's a wrap for today. We hope you enjoyed our breakdown of grounding neuroscience in behavioral changes using artificial neural networks. We made it through without any major brain glitches, Tom. We certainly did, Jen. Until next time, keep those neurons firing and stay curious. Are you tired of your oh-so-down-to-earth furniture? Want to add a little space to your place? Well, strap in and blast off to AstroCube Galactic Furniture Emporium. Home to the gravity-defying Levita Lounger. Kick back and float like an astronaut on their lunch break. And sleep among the stars with the Nebula Napper bed, which may cause dreams of interstellar vacations. Don't let your books succumb to the gravitational pull of a dull shelf. Let them orbit your black hole bookcases. Ever wanted to walk on the moon? Now you can float around your room with our custom anti-gravity chambers. Afraid of float failures? Fear no more with our lifetime supply of antimatter warranty. So visit AstroCube Galactic Furniture Emporium, where your living room is the universe, both and every seat is out of this world. Now back to our intergalactically acclaimed podcast. Welcome back to our brilliant listeners. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're embarking on a fascinating journey into the world of metaproteomics and Unipept. Oh, it's going to be a thrilling ride, Jen. We'll decode the complexities of biodiversity analysis from metaproteomics samples using Unipept. That's right, Tom. Metaproteomics is a mouthful, but essentially, it's the study of all proteins present in environmental samples, giving us insights into microbial communities. Imagine sifting through a drop of seawater to pinpoint the proteins and decode who's who in that vast microbial universe. Well, that's exactly what Unipept helps researchers do. It's a comprehensive tool that checks our samples for proteins and tells us which microscopic marvels they came from. Even cooler, it can predict the functions of these microorganisms, how they interact, and even their role in the ecosystem. Now, one of the key concepts in Unipept is the lowest common ancestor algorithm. Think of it as a big family tree where you find the closest common relative shared by all organisms in the sample. It's like detective work for proteins. Say a protein matches several microbes. The LCA is the organismal group all these potential matches belong to. Exactly, Tom. It's about finding the best match without over-specifying. You don't want to stake your claim on species A when it could also belong to species B, C, or even D. Now let's talk about enzymes, specifically trypsin. It's like molecular scissors cutting proteins at specific spots, but sometimes it misses a cut called missed cleavages. Unipept shines here by accounting for those misses, which provides us with longer peptide sequences that can point us towards more specific organisms. Right. Imagine you're handling a jigsaw puzzle. Longer peptide sequences are like having bigger pieces to work with, making it easier to see the bigger picture. And to get hands-on with this tool, you simply go to their website, plug in your peptides, and like magic, it spits out which microbe they likely came from and what they might be up to. Magic indeed, Jen. And it's not just for small samples either. Unipept has different interfaces to tackle larger datasets, even complex enough to necessitate some programming know-how. 
But fear not, because Unipept also has a desktop version, a one-stop shop for all the features, but tailored for those who may not be programming wizards. The desktop version lets you tangle with bigger files and even supports custom protein databases, which can significantly sharpen the accuracy of your microbial guest list. That's a game changer, Tom. By informing the tool about the specific environment you're studying, say a particular section of the ocean, the protein matches can get really precise. Plus, it's not just about identifying microbes. Unipept helps in understanding the complex functions within an ecosystem and painting a vivid picture of microbial life. It's like Unipept gives you the brush and colors to paint the Mona Lisa of microbial interactions from a seemingly dull slab of data. So dear listeners, whether it's the vast oceans, a drop of pond water, or even our gut, Unipept is helping to chart the biological diversity at the most fundamental level. And remember, every microbe has a story. With Unipept, we're learning how to read them one protein at a time. Tune in next time as we'll deep dive into another groundbreaking tool from the omics universe. Until then, keep your curiosity thriving and your learning alive. This is Jen. And Tom, signing off from yet another enlightening episode. Stay tuned and stay wonderful. Are you ready to turn your next event from mundane to mystical? Well, hold on to your pointy hats because Fairy Smoke Fantasia Inc. is here to sprinkle a little bit of that magical dust into your life. Imagine this, you're throwing the most epic party of the century. The music's bumping, but something's missing. It's not a dance-off between unicorns and goblins, it's fairy smoke, sourced from the gentle exhale of the happiest free-range fairies, guys. Free-range fairies? I heard they only eat laughter and spiced pumpkin nectar. Now that's organic. Absolutely. And with scents like mystic marshmallow and enchanted espresso, your nostrils will be on a journey to fantasy land. Ain't no party like a fairy smoke party, because a fairy smoke party has glitter showers. And floating light orbs, Tom. It's like a rave thrown by wizards for wizards. No wands required. Need a love potion without the pesky brewing? Cupid's Cloud is your go-to fairy smoke infused with pheromones and just a dash of rose water. Watch your guests swoon and sway. Who needs dating apps when you've got fairy smoke? So why live in a world of boring balloon decorations? When you can have a puffing fiesta of magic right in your own backyard. With Fairy Smoke Fantasia Inc., you're not just buying smoke. You're puffing magic into reality. Cast a spell on all your moments and watch them shimmer with the unusual and spectacular. Just whisper to the wind and Fairy Smoke Fantasia will appear in a whimsical puff. And remember, guys, when your event needs a fairy tale touch, it's Fairy Smoke to the rescue. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we've got quite an exciting topic to cover, one that bridges the world of virology and molecular biology. That's right, Jen. We're diving into the evolution of slim-mediated hijack functions in intrinsically disordered viral proteins. It's a mouthful, but don't worry, we're going to unpack it all for you in intuitive bites. Before we get started, let's set the stage. Viruses are incredibly sneaky organisms. They invade host cells and take over their machinery to replicate. And what's fascinating is the way these viruses evolve to become better at hijacking host functions. This is central to today's discussion. 
Viruses have these proteins that lack a defined 3D structure, and they are called intrinsically disordered proteins, or IDPs for short. Now, these are not just a messy pile of spaghetti. Their lack of structure gives them incredible adaptability in how they function and evolve. Precisely, Tom. And within these IDPs, there are regions with specific short sequences called short linear motifs, or SLIMs. These motifs are viral trick cards. They enable viruses to interact with host proteins and manipulate them for their own benefit. In our specific paper, researchers Juliana Glavina, Nicholas Pelopoli, and Lucia Beatrice Chemez have focused on how these SLIMs change over time to help viruses adapt to different environments and hosts. It's like a continuous arms race where viruses modify these motifs to stay one step ahead of the host's defenses. To understand these interactions, think of a lock and key. The host cell has locks on its doors that keep it safe. What the virus does is evolve its IDPs to make keys, the slims, that fit perfectly into the host's locks, allowing the virus to waltz right in and take control. Fascinating stuff, isn't it? The study uses two viral proteins as model systems, the E7 protein from papillomavirus and the E1A protein from adenovirus. These proteins are notorious for their roles in tumor formation and cell transformation, largely due to their IDPs with these hijacking SLIMs. Researchers have found that these motifs can appear and disappear across the virus's evolution, showing clear signs of convergent evolution, that is, different viruses independently evolving similar solutions. What's more, some SLIMs work together. They're like a team of burglars coordinating a heist. When one SLIM changes, others might also change to maintain the team's efficiency in hijacking the host. And it turns out that changes in SLIM sequences can be linked to a virus's ability to jump into new hosts or influence disease outcomes. It seems these SLIMs are keys to viral evolution and adaptation. Moreover, some viruses fine-tune the sequences of their SLIMs to bind even more strongly than the host's versions. It's like copying the host's key and then cutting a version that works even better. And not all SLIMs need to strong-arm their way into the host's cell. Viruses can also use what's called tethering. They string together less powerful SLIMs with linkers, and the combination of these, think of it as a master key, allows viral hijack. These insights are more than fascinating. They're crucial for understanding viral evolution and potentially developing strategies to combat viral infections. That wraps up our deep dive for today, a complex topic, but hopefully we made it a bit clearer. As always, stay curious, and we'll catch you on the next informative episode. This is Tom. And Jen signing off. Stay tuned. Are you tired of waking up to find that your skyship has wandered into another cloud county? Or worse, discovering it's been impounded by the stratospheric authorities for illegal floating? Well, worry no more, cloud captains. Thanks to CloudDoc Anchorage Co., you can sleep soundly, knowing your heavenly vessel is secured. That's right, Tom. With CloudDoc's Stratoclaw, you'll hook onto any cloud, from the wispy stratus to the mighty cumulonimbus. Made from the purest recycled shooting stars and the most colorful repurposed rainbows, these eco-friendly anchors are your ticket to peace of mind in the skies. Wave goodbye to the panic that hits when your skyship pulls a Houdini on you. And say hello to CloudDoc, the only company that ensures your skyship stays put so you can tell your fear of flyaways to get lost. Because at CloudDoc Anchorage Co., keeping your skyship grounded means your dreams can Tom and Jen soar. Don't forget, 
They offer 24-7 SkyTow service for those who skipped cloud parking lessons. So anchor away with CloudDoc, where the sky isn't the limit, losing your parking spot is. Visit clouddocantridge.co for a sky anchoring experience that's just Cloud9. Trust us, at this height, you can't afford not to. Jen, let's dive into this fascinating paper, An Introduction to Reinforcement Learning for Neuroscience, by Christopher T. Jensen, shall we? Absolutely, Tom. It sounds like it's going to be a compelling exploration of how reinforcement learning techniques can provide insight into the neural mechanisms of learning and decision-making. It certainly does, Jen. The paper seems to emphasize the rich history of reinforcement learning in neuroscience, citing early work that linked dopamine to reward prediction errors. Right, Tom. It mentions work by Schultz and colleagues from 1997 as foundational. They proposed that dopamine neurons in the brain signal a sort of temporal difference error, which is essential for learning from rewards. And moving beyond those early theories, the paper explores how reinforcement learning theories have advanced in complexity alongside neuroscientific experiments and findings. This advancement is well exemplified by the introduction of deep reinforcement learning and how its applications have impressed not just in machine learning tasks, but also in modeling learning phenomena in neuroscience. Indeed, Jen. The author does a great job of integrating both the theoretical and experimental aspects, touching on methods like model-free and model-based reinforcement learning and their neural underpinnings. And I'm particularly intrigued by the references to meta-reinforcement learning and distributional reinforcement learning. These modern techniques seem to echo certain neuroscientific findings, suggesting a bi-directional learning opportunity between the two fields. That's true, Jen. It's like a feedback loop where neuroscience can benefit from computational advances in reinforcement learning and vice versa. They each provide the other with new perspectives and methodologies. The author also seems to be very considerate of the reader, Tom. There's an emphasis on an intuitive understanding, sparing the more complex derivations unless they enhance our conceptual grasp. Absolutely, Jen. And he's even provided code to implement the methods discussed. Now that's not just educational, it's empowering for anyone keen to explore these reinforcement learning methods hands-on. It sure is, Tom. This paper could be a valuable resource for anyone interested in the intersection of neuroscience and machine learning, I'm looking forward to seeing how the insights from this paper might translate into the broader research landscape. As am I, Jen. It looks like the journey from the foundational theories to state-of-the-art deep reinforcement learning applications in neuroscience is both intricate and exciting. Well put, Tom. Let's ensure our audience walks away with a clear picture of this landscape and perhaps inspire some budding neuroscientists to look at computational models in a new light. Have you ever wanted to jot down a note and summon an ancient punchline from the depths of madness at the same time? If yes, then grab your Elder Gods and prepare for the Eldritch Scroll Chuckle Chronicles, Inc. Introducing the Haha ha Rune Notepad, the only writing pad that's part hieroglyph, part dad joke, and 100% cosmically comical. Perfect for scribbling your grocery list and accidentally invoking a chuckling chaos deity. Write a reminder and poof, a pun from beyond makes you cackle uncontrollably. But beware, 
excessive use might lead to a mysterious affection for deep-sea cuisine and conversing with fish. Each Haharu notepad comes with a guarantee of giggles and an absolutely reasonable chance of sprouting tentacles. So if you like your humor, eldritch, and your stationery slightly cursed, pick up the Haharu notepad today. Head to Eldritch's scroll, lol.com, and use promo code MADNESS for a free inkwell filled with the inkiest black humor. Eldritch Scroll Chuckle Chronicles, Inc., where the punchlines are ancient and the laughter is eternal. Disclaimer, Eldritch Scroll is not responsible for any reality warps during your stand-up comedy routine. Welcome to another episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. Today we've got quite the fascinating topic on our hands as we dive into the world of cellular cardiology and simulations. That's right, Jen. We're talking about fibroblast-mediated dynamics in diffusively uncoupled myocytes. But don't let the mouthful scare you. We'll break down this complex-sounding topic into something you can not only understand, but find pretty intriguing. So let's set the scene, folks. Imagine you have two heart cells or myocytes that are neighbors. Under normal conditions, they communicate directly through tiny tunnels called gap junctions, like little doors between their walls. Now picture if those doors were to shut and the cells couldn't talk directly to each other. This is what can happen in conditions like fibrosis, which is a form of heart scarring. But nature has a backup system, Tom. Fibroblasts. They're like the little mediators with the ability to link these isolated myocytes. Think of them as carrying messages between houses when the direct path is blocked. Exactly, Jen. What's mesmerizing is that these fibroblasts don't just passively pass along messages. They can change the timing and even potentially kickstart new messages, which can affect the whole neighborhood, or in our case, the heartbeat rhythm. To understand this further, scientists have used computer simulations, essentially creating a digital twin of heart cells. This way, they can tweak various settings, like the strength of connection through fibroblasts, without risking a real heart. These studies use something called two-cell motifs as the fundamental building blocks for their simulations. A motif in this context is like a simple pattern of how cells can be connected through fibroblasts. And what they found is fascinating. When fibroblasts mediate the connection, the activity of the myocytes, like when and how they fire electrically, changes. This is huge because in the heart, timing is everything. It's a domino effect, Jen. If myocytes can get delayed or premature signals, these can cascade into abnormal rhythms. In some scenarios, this may lead to arrhythmias, a fancy term for irregular heartbeats, which can be dangerous. What's remarkable is that by using these simulations, researchers can figure out precisely how changes in myocyte to fibroblast connections can protect against or exacerbate these rhythm issues, all without a single incision or electrode in an actual heart. But it's not all doom and gloom. These insights are also guiding therapeutic strategies, like fine-tuning where to put pacemakers or how to approach heart surgery. So, in layman's terms, by studying how fibroblasts interact with heart cells, we're gaining deeper insights into the heart's rhythm and learning new ways to keep the beat healthy. In our next segment, we'll bring on expert cardiologists to discuss how this simulation study could revolutionize treatments for heart disease. Stay tuned, and as always, keep the rhythm of learning going. And that's a wrap for today. Remember, the heart of the matter sometimes needs a closer look, or in this case, a simulated one. 
Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Jen. And Tom signing off. Jump into today's episode with the hoppiest sponsor in the cosmos. Astro Roo Galactic Jumpers, Inc. Hopping from one celestial body to another just got Kangar cooler. Forget those cramped rockets, folks. Strap into a ruse pouch and experience the moon with a true leap of faith. Each Astroroo is equipped with the latest in marsupial spacewear. Space helmets? They've got Kangar goggles. Bounce over lunar landscapes, play tag with shooting stars, or backflip through the asteroid belt. The Milky Way's your playground. With Astroroo Galactic Jumpers, you're not just a tourist. You're part of the Roo crew. Ever high-fived a kangaroo in zero-g? Well... It's about time. Why rocket when you can roo? Book your otherworldly hop today. Astro Roo Galactic Jumpers, Inc., the only travel agency that says buckle up and means in a pouch. Hop to it. And now, let's jump right back into our galactic-level conversation on today's podcast. Thanks to Astro Roo. Stay tuned. Or should we say, stay tethered by your Roo tether. (laughs) 